Adam's Archive. Hello, you beautiful people, and welcome to the Adam's Archive. My name is Austin Adams, and thank you so much for listening today. On today's episode, we are going to be jumping into several current events, including Elon Musk visiting Israel. Not only that, but having a discussion with Netanyahu, personally walking through some of the areas of the war and destruction that happened there, as well as coming to a somewhat surprising agreement with him, which we will discuss first. Then we will walk through the next discussion, which also has to do with Israel and Hamas, which is that Biden is apologizing for something that he said more recently about questioning Hamas. So we'll talk about that after. After that, we'll jump into a former White House doctor, one that served under Bush, Trump, as well as Barack Obama, coming out with some pretty serious warnings about Joe Biden's health. Then we will jump into the Department of Justice collecting some really serious uh, information about basically every single person who interacted with anything with, about Trump on Twitter. Following that, into a discussion around a new, a new sickness, or at least a serious sickness that's causing waves in China right now. And if that sounds familiar and alarms you, it probably should. But the U.S. is now sounding the alarm after a new Chinese pneumonia outbreak raises serious health concerns. PTSD, anybody? <laughs> and then we will talk about an update. So last week, uh, the last episode, I talked about the situation with ChatGPT, OpenAI, Sam Altman, um, and all of the employees there, and this crazy, wild story that finally came ahead. And one hour after, just one hour, one hour after my podcast, it was like two in the morning when they reinstated Sam Altman, completely got rid of the entire board. But that raised some even weirder questions, something I raised originally, but I'm starting to get the full picture now. And Elon Musk posted something that was said Q Anon with a star between Q and Anon. But it was actually about OpenAI and potentially AGI or artificial general intelligence and his concerns surround a secret program within OpenAI. All of that and more. But first, I need you to hit that subscribe button. I need you to leave a five-star review. Go hit that five-star button on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on YouTube. You can watch all of the episodes directly on YouTube. I'll now be posting all of the topic clips individually there as well. Um, so make sure you follow on YouTube, The Adams Archive. You can find me there and watch along. You can see my beautiful face, uh, see the articles that we're talking through together. Uh, so make sure you head over there, do that, follow, subscribe, leave a five-star review. That's honestly the best thing that you can do at this point to help out is just leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, okay? It takes two minutes out of your day, gives you some of that good belly feelings in your gut just for helping out. All right, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Let's jump into it. The Adams Archive. 
All right. The very first thing that we are going to discuss today is going to be that Elon Musk met with Netanyahu in Israel. Not only that, but he also walked around Israel looking at all of the uh, after effects of some of the war that happened there. And this article says, Israel tells Elon Musk Starlink can only operate in Gaza with its approval. Hmm. So now Elon Musk, after putting up Starlink in Ukraine, after putting up Starlink over Gaza, after being the savior to all of these um, citizens, when there's a war breaking out and the commanding force shuts off their access to the internet to do God knows what, now he's given in. So Netanyahu is going to be telling Elon Musk whether he can or cannot activate their internet with Starlink. So this article says, Israel tells Elon Musk Starlink can only operate in Gaza with its approval. It says entrepreneur meets country's leaders amid fervor over alleged anti-Semitism on his social platinum or platform X. I'm not sure that's what it was exactly about. But it says, Israel has told Elon Musk his Starlink satellite network will only be allowed to operate in Gaza with its approval. As the entrepreneur met with country's leaders amid a furor, furor? F-U-R-O-R-E, over alleged anti-Semitism on his social platform X. The world's richest man declared that last month that his satellite internet service Starlink would support connectivity to internationally recognized aid organizations in Gaza. Seems like a good thing to do, right? If there's a massive war going on and one of the sides decides to shut off all access to the internet, you know, not only does it do that, but it cuts off their messaging between people uh, in families locally. It cuts off their access to the outside world so they can't post videos of things that are going on there. I don't know, by maybe some organization that's dropping bombs on them or doing terrible things to them. Or I don't know, just everyday things, right? Phone connectivity, internet, work, all of that stops when you can't access the internet. So and originally, what happened is Elon Musk came in just like he did in Ukraine and said, okay, you guys can battle this out, but you're not going to eliminate one person's access to the world. So he has Starlink. And if you don't know anything about Starlink, it's basically satellites. I'm pretty sure Elon Musk has more satellites than any country now, something like that. But uh, Starlink uh, is a way that he can turn on and turn off access to Wi-Fi and the internet for anybody in the world, basically at any given time, just by utilizing his satellites. And so it says the world's richest man declared late last night that his satellite internet service Starlink would support connectivity to internationally recognized aid organizations in Gaza, which has suffered lengthy blackouts under Israel's bombardment. But on Monday, Israeli communication minister Shlomo Kari posted on X that the entrepreneur had reached a principal understanding with the ministry and has said now that Starlink units can only be operated in Israel, with the approval of the Israeli minister or Ministry of Communication, including the Gaza Strip. Now, what that's saying is that you have to listen to the words carefully and read between the lines here. It says Starlink satellite units can only operate be operated in Israel, in Israel, okay, with the approval of the Israeli Ministry of Communications, including the Gaza Strip. Which means that within this tweet itself, they were already claiming ownership to Gaza, already saying that that is our territory, already saying that that is a part of Israel. 
And we'll go ahead and we'll watch some videos here shortly uh, where there's some pretty interesting conversations by one of my favorite political commentators. Uh, and um, he, he kind of discussed the background of Israel, the background of the Ottoman Empire and Palestine and uh, all of the, the things that kind of led up to this disputed territory, which I found to be really interesting. So we'll pull that up in just a minute and listen to that. Um, but it goes on to say that Musk has not yet publicly confirmed any deal. The SpaceX and Tesla chief executive is visiting the Jewish state for the first time since Hamas's October 7th assault on southern Israel, which killed 1,200 people and triggered a war between Israel and the militant group, this says. Israel's ferocious retaliatory bombardment and siege of the Strip has continued or created a humanitarian crisis, killing more than 13,300 people and led to prolonged blackouts. These have obstructed rescue efforts, notably, uh, notably by preventing ambulances from reaching loc or from locating wounded people. Now, the interesting thing about that is, like, they want to say that it's not controlled by Israel, but then they can cut off their water, they can cut off their electricity, they can cut off their access to internet. What about that? Says that you're not controlled by somebody, because it seems to me that if somebody has access to, you know. Your, to shut off your water, if somebody can shut off your electricity, if somebody can shut off your ability to drive on roads, if somebody can shut off your ability to access the internet or the world, it seems like that's pretty much control, right? And they want to say that it's not controlled by Israel already, uh, but it doesn't exactly seem to be the case. It seems pretty well controlled. After appearing to endorse an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory in which a White House a spokesperson said was abhorrent. Musk has been forced to defend himself from changes or from charges of discrimination. Wow, I can't read today. Nothing could be further from the truth, he said in Acts. I wish only for the best for humanity. I wonder what this conspiracy theory could have been. A video released by Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's office showed Musk wearing a flak jacket as he toured burnt out homes in uh, Afar Azi, a kibbutz devastated by the militant group's assault, taking pictures on his mobile phone. Actions speak louder than words, Musk posted cryptically on X after the visit. Musk's initial commitment to enable Starlink in Gaza was followed by telecommunications blackouts in the enclave, sparked, uh, which sparked a spat by the Israeli government, which argued with the connectivity would be used by Hamas for terrorist activities. Yeah, just like basically everything and anything they ever want to stop as a government, they can just say is, oh, used for terrorist activities, right? Like, Anybody who, as we'll find out later, followed Donald Trump is now on a list somewhere, liked any of his tweets, retweeted any of his tweets. Any single person who did that on Twitter is now on a list from the Department of Justice. Hmm. Anybody who was there on January 6th protesting, whether they walked into the Capitol and got a, a, a museum tour by the local police or not, is now on some terrorist watch list. Right. They can say whatever they want. That's the hard thing with like language and, and the way that what language can be weaponized. Right. Go back and read 1984. Right. When when you can take a singular word like terrorist and, and start to apply it to anything and anything that doesn't agree with the government's narrative, that becomes a huge issue. Right. It's like when when all the liberals were calling everybody Nazis. It, it, it just loses its venom after so long. So like when, yeah, I agree. Hamas, what they did was an act of terrorism. Obviously, terrible. Don't do that. But when you start saying that the people that were walking through the Capitol on January 6th were also domestic terrorists, it's just factually incorrect, right? You, you can't, you can't, you, 
every time you use that word in a way that it's not meant to be used or a way that is not legitimate, it, it loses its sting, right? So so when you say that, oh, you know, we're, we're putting up all these cameras on highways to, to stop terrorism. We're doing it to stop mass shooters. We're doing it to stop violent criminals, right? Like we talked about in our last episode, that, you know, all the cameras that are going up on every single highway in America, you know, we're doing it for your safety. Like, don't worry about us. We would never spy on you. We would never follow and track you and see where you're going. We would never do that. It's just for those bad guys over there that, you know, you don't don't agree with our opinions on politics. It's, you know, all of the, the terrorism talk that's happened domestically has just really, really uh, caused the venom of that word to, to, to be questioned. Right. So it says Starlink, part of Musk's rockets, uh, Starlink, part of Musk's rockets and satellite company SpaceX, uses a constellation of Earth orbiting satellites to beam Internet connectivity into places where traditional access to the Web is difficult. Musk has provided Starlink equipment to Ukraine's frontline with Russia. The Starlink signal is received through small satellite dishes called terminals. But Musk said in October that no terminals have actually attempted to connect from the besieged Gaza. And, and so... I was on board with that. I'm on board with that 100%. I don't think that I, th I think that in, in today's age, when we can give access to these things, I believe that it's absolutely something that everybody should have access to. If, if you have the ability to beam it onto the earth, <laughs> which apparently we do, why wouldn't we want anybody and everybody in the country to or, or in the world to have access to that, right? You should, it gives you access to, to the, to the, ability to conduct work it gives you access to the ability to communicate worldwide to to be in the know of what's happening right to know literally everything it should be basically a right that you have internet today now maybe you should pay for it if you're in a place that you know like the united states where you can have a job and be a functioning member of society but maybe eventually not like but why should we have to pay for internet why isn't it just considered a you know, utility bill at some point. But anyways, I digress. Here we go. Um, the article continues on and says, let's see if we can get this to be full screen here, and says that uh, Musk's visit to Israel coincides with the last day of the four-day pause in hostilities and comes as advertisers pile pressure on X over a rise in anti-Semitism on the platform after appearing to endorse an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory, which a White House spokesperson said, let's see if we can find that out. Uh, let's see, Musk tweet anti-Semitic. That should be easy enough. Conspiracy tweet. Let's see what comes up for that. It says analysis with anti-Semitic tweet. Elon Musk reveals his actual truth. This comes from CNN.com. So should be a good one. Uh, here we go. It says Elon Musk has publicly endorsed an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory popular among white supremacists, this says on CNN, that Jewish communities push hatred against whites. That kind of overt thumbs up to an anti-Semitic post shocked even some of Musk's critics who have long called him out for using racist and otherwise bigoted dog whistles on Twitter, known as X. Uh, it was the multi-billionaire's most explicit public statement yet endorsing anti-Jewish views. Let's see. Uh, it says that Jewish communities, Musk has, was responding to a post Wednesday that said Jewish communities have been pushing the exact kind of dialectic, 
dialectical hatred against whites that they claim to want people to stop using against them. The Post has also referenced hordes of minorities flooding Western countries, a popular anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. Uh, what is anti-Semitic about hordes of minorities flooding Western countries? Uh, seems to be factual when you're talking about the southern border. Um, hmm. I just wanted to see if I could see the tweet, but apparently they're not going to link it here because they're afraid you'll actually read into it and see if this is it. Nope. Hmm. So it doesn't sound exact. The, the way that they can twist somebody's words and say, oh, they're, they push hatred against white people, which, you know, you follow the money in a lot of these places may be factually true. But anyways, um, it says nothing could be further from the truth, he said on next. A video released by Prime Minister Netanyahu's office showed Musk wearing a flak jacket. Just discuss that. Actions speak louder than words. Discuss that. Discuss what Starlink is. The Starlink signal is received through small satellite dishes called terminals. But Musk said in October that no terminals had actually been attempted to connect from besieged Gaza. And Israel controls the movement of goods into the coastal enclave. During the seven-week war, Israel has at times reportedly cut communications to the Strip. I wonder why they would do that. Hmm. And I think that ceasefire is gone now, isn't it? All right, moving on. Biden reportedly offers an apology to Muslim American leaders for questioning the Hamas death toll. We talked about this last time where Biden was saying that he did not agree with the death toll coming from Palestinian health organizations. And now he's walking back those statements because obviously there's been a tremendous amount of death, a tremendous amount of uh, question or uh, of bombs that have been dropped in Palestine, a tremendous amount of men, women, and children that have died as a result of the actions of Israel. Factual. Go I don't know, fly a drone over there. <laughs> like look at the, the look at the, the the destruction that has happened in the videos. And and who's to say w whether that's completely accurate or not, but it's absolutely true that there has been a massive amount of death for men, women and children in Palestine. So Biden is now recognizing that, apologizing, saying he's quote unquote, I, I believe, let's see what this let's see if we can get the full article. Oh, we got to we got to subscribe, folks. Let's find a different one. Now, my favorite news connector is Ground News. And we can go here and let's go Biden offers apology. Now, if you go to Ground News, what it does for you, and I would highly recommend educating yourself on this platform because I absolutely love it. So I'll just give you a breakdown of what this looks like. It's ground.news, and they give you the headline, they give you the top three points, and then they tell you the bias of the news distribution. So what percentage has been reporting on this? 41% um, of the sources that are reporting on this lean right, right? Of those... Um, there's two that are center, 61% biased, I'm sorry, 61%, I'm just blind. And then they give you all of the articles. So then you can sort and sift through those articles. You can say you can look at all of them. You can look at the left-leaning articles. You can look at the right-leaning articles. You can look at the center articles. Then it gives you the factuality of each one of those and who owns those media companies. So it's like very, basically anything and everything that you would want out of the actual reporting. Um, so it gives factuality scores, ownership scores, like 
whoever is responsible for this just does an absolute tremendous job. It's incredible. All right, so here it is. It says, this is coming from the Daily Post, and it says, Israel-Palestinian War. I'm disappointed in myself, Biden says, as he apologizes over comments on Gaza. Now, obviously, like we talked about, it's not Gaza in general. What a a terrible headline. Um, But here's what it says. It says, United States President Joe Biden has apologized to some prominent Muslim American leaders over his public questioning of the Palestinian death number reported by the Hamas-controlled Gaza Ministry of Health. Right, and again, it's like you just have to watch out for the framing on this because do we? Is it? I don't know. I don't. I've never done research on the Gaza Ministry of Health, but they just like frivolously throw that out there to delegitimize the numbers. And now he's apologizing for it, right? So they they tried to shoo it away as saying, oh, the, that's what the terrorist said. We don't believe the terrorist. You're not a terrorist, are you? You're a, a flag-loving American, right? Maybe not flag-loving because then nowadays that makes you a terrorist anyways. But you see what I'm saying, right? Like just just listen to the framing. Biden, according to the New York Post, made the apology at a meeting with the five Muslim American leaders the day after his October 25th comments on reported Gaza deaths, vowing to do better. Biden told the group, I'm sorry, I'm so disappointed in myself, Biden said, when he heard the leaders describe individuals they knew who were personally affected by the conflict. Before the press conference, Biden had openly questioned the accuracy of the uh, casualty figures from Gaza, given Hamas terror track, ter- Hamas's terror track record. The president was smeared with criticism at home as he made great efforts to pressure Israel to minimize civilian casualties. He said, I have no notion that the Palestinians are telling the truth about how many people are killed. I'm sure innocents have been killed, and it's the price of waging war, he said. Wow. Is that the price of waging war as you kill innocent people? According to data from the Hamas-controlled Ministry of Health, more than 14,000 Palestinians in Gaza, including many women and children, have been killed in the conflict. Meanwhile, Israel has suffered more than 1,200 fatalities, almost a tenth, less than a tenth, mostly civilians who were killed when the terror group launched a massive attack on Israel in October. The Muslim American leaders who have met with Joe Biden pleaded with him to show more empathy for the Palestinians. So here's... Here's something that I see to, you know, I find this to be pretty interesting. You go to almost any major uh, account right now. Now, there's a few there's a few people who are uh, actually honest and truthful, but you see a lot of mainstream media accounts, a lot of mainstream influencers, a lot of conservative voices just giving the most egregious points on on the, the Palestinian conflict. Like you go to PragerU right now. You go to, you know, go listen to Ben Shapiro. You hear them literally saying word for word that the reason or the, the, that the blood of Palestinian children and women is on the hands of Hamas, not on the hands of Israel, who actually bombed them, you know, but it's on the hands of Hamas because, you know, they did this to us first, so they deserved it, right? Like that's, that's, we're almost word for word verbatim with both Dennis Prager and, um, and, uh, uh, Ben Shapiro had said about this almost verbatim, like literally go find it. Then they'll say, oh, you know, Hiroshima was, was something that just had to be done. We had to murder an entire city and block of, uh, a mile of people in order to stop this war. It's it's like, no, 
Well, what should we do? Well, maybe send special forces in there and take them out. Like, don't just bomb the children. Uh, and that's what's so funny about this argument that like, oh, Hamas is shielding themselves with women and children. And instead of, you know, trying to wait for a sniper to, to have a good eye on the target so that they can kill just the terrorists behind them, right? Like their, their point is that, oh, they use women and children as human shields. They use human shields. How egregious, how much of a terrorist are they for using human shields? And it's like, okay, you don't use human shields. You just bomb the women and children regardless without any thought to it. It's like, which one's worse? Just endlessly bombing women and children without any say or, or, or reason why really, and or using somebody as a human shield. They're equally bad because in both scenarios, somebody dies who was innocent, equally bad. Right, but they've they've probably done government think tanks and and had uh, massive su surveys where they found out that if you say the the human shield buzzword, that that now all of a sudden people are on your side, right? It's like you definitely can't use human shields; just bomb them all. <laughs> anyway, so there's your update on that. And uh, from that, speaking about Joe Biden, the next thing that we'll discuss is that a former White House doctor has come out and raised some concerns surrounding the health of Joe Biden. So, you know, not that any of us thought that he was in great health or anything, <laughs> uh, but it seems to be deteriorating just quicker than anybody would have even thought. Um, so let's read this article together. And it says, former White House doctor warns that Biden won't last another five years in office. They're saying that he has completely degenerated just during the time in his office. And this is somebody, this is a doctor who served under George Bush, who served under Donald Trump, who served under Barack Obama. So this isn't some run of the mill, you know, was in there for six months. And now all of a sudden he has a political opinion that this man was unfit for duty. No, this is somebody who was trusted by the White House to give their unbiased opinion about the, the health of our presidents. And he's come out and said that he does not believe Joe Biden is in any shape or form able to act the duties. Now, I agree completely. Like anybody who's the, the only thing that they could have done that's worse than this is what they did to Feinstein, right? Where they wheeled her out there the day before she croaked, the day before she died and had her vote on the floor while some guy was whispering in her ear, telling her to shut up and say yes. Here we go. Uh, the article says, uh, Ronnie Jackson, a Republican from Texas, a former White House physician warned this week that President Joe Biden won't make it another five years if he's reelected in 2024. The decline is happening quickly, Jackson said, who served as a physician under former presidents George Bush, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, as he told Fox News on Sunday. Jackson argued that Biden's cognitive acuity has declined rapidly, even since 2020 when he was first elected. It's just unbelievable how much he's degenerated through his time in office. We cannot afford to have this man in office for the remainder of his term and then for another four years after that. He's already putting us at great risk right now, he says. Citing his experience with the White House, Jackson said he knows firsthand what it takes to be the commander-in-chief and the head of state. It's a grueling job, both mentally and physically. The man can't do the job. He's proven to us over the single or every single day that he can't do the job, but this is just getting worse. 
Fair enough. Right. And I had this conversation with somebody the other day. To me, it's like, what is the, the even more so than his like than his politics, right? Because you probably can't even point to Joe Biden's politics at this point or his position on things. But what you can point to is is the absolute embarrassment. The absolute embarrassment to our country that is Joe Biden representing us on a world stage. The man can't string a sentence together. The man can't walk up a flight of stairs. The man can't shake the hand of any other person knowing fully well who they are at any given time. Like, how are you going to trust that man to make some of the most complex decisions of any position with the biggest impact of any position in the world? How do you expect that? You don't. You want to know why? Because, you know, and I would almost rather have, that's what you have to understand about the president, is that the president is essentially just a figurehead. They should exude power. They should exude intelligence. They should be charismatic. They should be able to calm a crowd in times of war and and excite them in times of peace to do great things. And Joe Biden does absolutely not a single one of those things. Right. So I would I would almost rather have somebody whose politics are just absolutely atrocious, but at least represent our country well than Joe Biden. And that's what you have to know by now is that Joe Biden is absolutely 100 percent only in this position because he has nothing to say at all when it comes to politics. He is essentially a puppet with a literal hand up his ass telling him exactly what to say and when to say it. He has no opinions of his own. He is absolutely bought and paid for in every position that he holds. And that's why he's in this position. And that's why they would probably hope to keep him in there another four years. They being the people who really lobbied to get him there. The Black Rocks, the Vanguards, all of those people, right? So it's like he is only in the position that he is in because he holds no position. And that's what you saw in the Osama bin Laden letter. And I called it, it was, I, I said Saddam Hussein. It was actually Osama bin Laden's letter. I think I was reading it wrong. Or no, that was just in a clip that I posted on Instagram. <laughs> I posted a clip on Instagram and I had to edit it out because I was, I kept saying um, Saddam Hussein instead of Osama bin Laden. Um, silly me mixing up my terrorists. All right. So pretty wild stuff. Not that wild because we all knew the guy could is, is about to die at any single moment. And then that's like probably the most the most exciting thing about Joe Biden's presidency is that the man could literally be in the middle of a speech or walking up a flight of stairs and just die in front of anybody, everybody with all these cameras on him at any given moment. It's like we should have a a death. What is it? The Deadpool, a death pool uh, for Joe Biden and, and have over unders on whether or not he would make a second term. All right. Now, speaking of that. Uh, the next thing we're going to discuss is that the Department of Justice collected every single name of every single Twitter account that liked, followed, or even retweeted anything regarding Trump, right? Anything from Trump that he ever said. If you liked him, if you followed him, or if you retweeted him, you're on a list somewhere. The Department of Justice collected your name. And it said, Twitter is required, and this comes from... Headline USA, not sure what that is. Twitter is, I got it from uh, the ground news. So it said mixed factuality. So 
most of them do, to be fair. Um, Twitter is required to disclose following information. All lists of Twitter users who have favorited or retweeted posts, tweets, uh, tweets posted by Trump, as well as all tweets that include the username associated with the account. So any mentions or even replies with Trump's name. It says that Ken Silva... Uh, stated that the Justice Department attorneys have released record records related to their search warrant for Donald Trump's Twitter account, revealing that prosecutors obtained a vast trove of data about the former president's social media activity, including info on every single account to like, follow, and retweet him. The heavily redacted search warrant was released Monday pursuant to a November 17th judge's order, which was made after a coalition of media groups filed an application in August for the warrant and other records to be made public. From the looks of it, Twitter forked over massive amounts of information to the Department of Justice. Um, indeed, special counsel Jack Smith sought and apparently ultimately received all users Trump followed, unfollowed, muted, unmuted, blocked, or unblocked, as well as all the users who have followed, unfollowed, muted, unmuted, blocked, or unblocked Trump. Additionally, Smith demanded da uh, Twitter data on all the lists of Twitter users who have been favorited or retweeted tweets posted by Trump, as well as all the tweets that included the username associated with the account. Wow. In sum, we affirm that the district court's ruling in all aspects, the, re uh, the district court's properly rejected. Uh, let's see here. Oh, it's going to be a jerk to me again. Need to figure this out. My, uh, I have my iPad as the secondary monitor here, and it keeps like going out on me. So sorry if we have any lulls in the action for you. It says, in sum, we, affir we affirm that the district court's ruling in all aspects or all respects. The district court properly rejected Twitter's First Amendment challenge to the non-disclosure order. The appeals court said in the decision unsealed in August. Moreover, the district court acted within the bounds of its own, of its discretion to manage its docket when it declined to stay it, um, to stay its enforcement of the warrant while the First Amendment claim was litigated. Hmm. So any single person, any single person who liked, followed, tweeted untweeted, retweeted, no tweeted, <laughs> anything at all to do with Donald Trump is now on a list that the Department of Justice has for what reason? What would you want that for? What would you want that for? Right? You want you want to start surveilling those people, right? Especially the high profile people. If anybody actually has a following and and you are somebody who voted Trump, is follows Trump, tweets Trump, likes his posts, anything at all, you know, because very easily you could just take an Excel spreadsheet, which I'm sure somebody did over at the Department of Justice, and filtered it based on follower count. So they could find out who are the people of influence that are a part of Donald Trump's network, right? Not even network, but just support group. There's nine comments here. Let's see if any of them are any good. Uh, what was the name of the Beatles song? Oh, yeah. Back in the USSR? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, pretty freaking wild. Uh, do not fund the Justice Department. Yeah. Nothing Nothing too good. Not enough. All right. Cool. Um, so to me, that's egregious. To me, that shows an absolute surveillance state. To me, that shows that the, the collusion between Twitter and Department of Justice now has been fossilized in, in Excel spreadsheets somewhere at a, a government facility to say whether or not you could potentially be a domestic terrorist because you followed Donald Trump, the president of the United States, one of the most followed, liked, it retweeted people of all time on Twitter. Hmm. But now you'll find yourself on a list somewhere. 
All right. After that, this one's a little bit even more concerning. But before we talk about that, the first thing I need you to do <laughs> is I think you know what I'm going to say, which is that you should subscribe. You should leave a five-star review if you haven't already. And if you're driving, it's okay. I forgive you. But when you get where you're going, stop what you're doing. Pull out your phone. And it takes 10 seconds. 10 seconds is all it takes. All you got to do is scroll a little bit down on the Apple Podcasts. Hit that five-star review. You can give a five-star on Spotify. It just doesn't let you write anything. But on Apple Podcasts, it really helps. Uh, go follow me on Instagram at the Austin J. Adams. Uh, go follow me on Twitter at the Austin J. Adams on, you know, all the things. <laughs> uh, Truth Social, I'm even on there. I don't really use it ever, but that's going to change. I'm starting to get some help over here. So uh, looking forward to being more consistent with you guys on content that I'm putting out, getting back to the Substack, which you can follow at austinadams.substack.com. Um, and that's what I got. So. Adams Archive. There it is. Let's jump into it. Um, the article says, the U.S. sounds an alarm after new Chinese pneumonia outbreak raises serious questions and concerns. And the article says that U.S. officials began expressing concerns this week about a new outbreak in respiratory illnesses in China that have sent a surge of children to the hospital. NBC News reported that the outbreak in northern China has caused hospitals to become overwhelmed with sick children. According to ProMed, a publicly available reporting system for emerging diseases and outbreaks. The news comes after COVID-19 began spreading in Wuhan, China in late 2019, and in the span of a couple months threw the entire world into a global pandemic that killed millions and was used by governments to implement draconian measures. Yep. Now, as far as the killed millions thing, I would like to revisit that and tell you that all of the PCR tests, you know, the with died with COVID or died of COVID are serious things that we need to revisit and stop saying there's millions of people who died as a result of COVID when you have to understand that there was actually somebody who got bit by a shark and died as a result of being eaten by a shark and was considered a COVID death because they had tested positive for COVID at the time. And then you have to take that a step further and understand that not only were they marking people dead with COVID so that they could make their money because they were incentivized off of this. Because this is all stuff we can't let seep through our memory, people. We have to understand the, the lengths that they went to for this propaganda campaign. One being that it wasn't died of COVID. What was important was died with COVID that they would mark as of COVID. The second thing is, even when they ran those tests and said that they died with COVID, they ran the tests with PCR testing at cycles that were way higher than what was supposed to be allowable for PCR tests to be accurate whatsoever. And then as things wound down, guess what they did? They lowered the cycles on the PCR tests so there wasn't as many false positives. So when you're talking about millions of people dying, you have to understand that it, the, the real number of people that died of COVID is far, far, far less than what was reported originally. Because first of all, as we just talked about, they marked people dead with COVID as of COVID. They marked people with COVID 
incorrectly because the amount of cycles they were doing on PCR tests, which was far above the allowed, allowable, uh, at least justifiable amount of cycles. It's like anything above 19 cycles is a very high rate of of uh, false positives, right? You go back to the podcast I've done about Carrie Mollusk. You go read the, who actually came up with PCR testing, Nobel Prize uh, winning laureate uh, scientists uh, who who designed the PCR test. And, and it's really interesting if you go back and listen to some of those episodes, even episode one, right? I've mentioned that a couple of times is uh, assassinations, cover-ups in the cult of science that I did. Uh, I highly recommend you you listen into that podcast. It may not, I haven't gone back and listened to it myself in a while, but uh, it's the very first one I ever did. So cut me some slack. Uh, but I think there was a lot of value in there. And I went through that book that I discussed last week, uh, Code Blue, about the, or the medical industrial complex. So a pretty good one. But I highly, you know, when, when we're talking about millions of people dead, you have to remember the context. You cannot forget that when we talk about that. All right. So it says China's recent pneumonia outbreak raises serious questions and the World Health Organization is asking them, said U.S. Ambassador of, uh, to Japan, Ram Manuel. It's time to abandon COVID deception and delays as transparent and timely information saves lives, he said. Full cooperation with the international community is not an option. It's a public health imperative. Will Beijing step up? China's, and this is uh, the ambassador that actually tweeted that, so there's the exact tweet. Um, NBC News says that it had witnessed long lines in crowded waiting rooms at Beijing's Children's Hospital. And this is, again, when you see the word children, right, why, why would something be specifically affecting children? Children generally have much better immune systems than you and I, uh, or, or even older individuals, right? The reason for that is, well, they're young, they're healthy, their antibodies are, are much more aggressive in, in dealing with these things. Their hearts are healthier than ours. Their lungs are healthier than ours. Um Lots of reasons, but says the WHO said in a statement that today WHO held a teleconference with Chinese health authorities in which they provided requested data on respiratory illnesses among children in northern China. Uh, the data indicates an increase in outpatient consultations and hospital admissions of children due to mycoplasma pneumonia since May and RSV, adenovirus, and influenza virus since October. You mean we're going into... December, and we have a rise in flu cases? <gasps> what will we do? It's almost like this has happened every year since humanity's existed. <laughs> um, the WHO continued, some of these increases are earlier in the season that historically experienced, but not unexpected given the lifting of COVID-19 restrictions, as similarly experienced in other countries. Yeah, okay. They've already cried wolf, and like nobody will literally believe them. If there was a flesh-eating zombie disease at this point, I think you would still have a large portion of the country in complete disbelief, right? The, the boy, let's go back to the boy who cried wolf, right? Or the government who cried pandemic is probably a more accurate one. It goes on to say, the COVID-19 pandemic was marked by lying and deception from communist China about the origins of the coronavirus, as well as attempts to cover it up. The World Health Organization was also accused of not being forthcoming with what it knew about the coronavirus and of trying to cover for China. Yes, we know all of this. All right. Cool. So there's your article on that. So to me, you know, they, they've come out now and said that this is not a novel virus, that it's not something that they have not seen before. Um, so they, they, they've said, you know, it's, it's nothing to be concerned of uh, until, you know, it's not like last time, 
right? Until it is something to be concerned about. Uh, but I guess time will tell and we'll have to wait and see if that's the case. And uh, when it is, make sure you just buy enough toilet paper, I guess. <laughs> or a bidet, because bidets are awesome and you get to limit your toilet paper use. I never went on a bidet rant here, but I could. Bidets are amazing. If you've never used one, hi highly recommend. <laughs> All right. The very next article that we're going to discuss here is going to be uh, one of our last ones, which is about OpenAI. So we talked about this last week. There was this whole wild escapade, this whole story, this crazy situation happened where the board kicked out Sam Altman for not being completely candid in their letter um, and then said that even if OpenAI went under, that it would be aligned with OpenAI's mission that OpenAI went under. Now, I mentioned that last time in reading that. Um, we can go back and listen to that if you want to. But um, I mentioned that, that that wording was weird to me, that if OpenAI went under, they said that it would be aligned with OpenAI's mission. And OpenAI's mission is for safe and aligned AGI. Right? And if you don't understand AI much or what AGI is, we'll talk about it. Um, but AGI is artificial general intelligence, meaning that something that is basically sentient and conscious. Right, We don't believe today that the AI that we have is considered AGI. Right, It's AI, but general intelligence, meaning that it essentially has its own consciousness, that it can think for itself, that it's not just an input and output of, of A, or, uh, A, Bs, or X, Ys, or, you know, whatever. Um, the matrix, essentially, right? So it's it's not binary coding that's deciding its next output. It, it actually can actively think and, um, you know, have conversations in a way where it has its own emotions and, and things like that, right? So that's what AGI is. And, and that's what terrifies people is once we get to that point where it can start to detach itself from the infrastructure that we have, and it's sentient in and of itself, that it could escape the small black box that it's within, metaphorically, and take over the world and eliminate all of humanity. And maybe... That's why the board was trying to kick out Sam Altman, because he wasn't candid about this program that is called QSTAR, which is a allegedly uh, true AI potential path towards AGI that Sam Altman didn't discuss. Um, so this article says, and, and we'll let's give this a better introduction, is the fact that Sam Altman getting fired could have been the best thing for humanity, because if QSTAR, which is potentially the black secretive program within OpenAI that could lead to AGI or maybe already is AGI or sentient, a sentient uh, a life form of AI very well could ha mean the end of humanity to very many people that project these things. You know, almost even I think Sam Altman or, or even the, the Twitch CEO that was put into position said, yeah, it's a 50-50 shot if we reach AGI, whether or not it completely kills off all of humanity. And a lot of people think to agree with that. I think Elon Musk said the same thing. It's about 50-50, right? So, so when we're talking about Sam Altman not being candid with the board and the board saying that if OpenAI goes under, it might be aligned with our mission to begin with. And then we find out about QSTAR, and Elon Musk, funnily enough, posted something that said QSTAR Anon, 
right? And then posted this article, um, not the one that we're looking at, but one about the similar topic. But this says from Forbes, about that mysterious AI breakthrough known as QSTAR by OpenAI that allegedly attains true AI or is on the path towards artificial general intelligence. It says, in today's column, I'm going to walk you through a prominent AI mystery that has caused quite the stir, leading to an incessant buzz across much of social media and garnering outside headlines in the mass media. This is going to shock, or this is this is going to be quite a Sherlock Holmes adventure and a sleuth of detective exemplifying journey that I will be taking you on. Now let's close the let's close the loop here. Um, in the fact that Sam Altman was reinstated an hour after my podcast at two in the morning as the CEO, and they fired the complete board after 757 people signed that letter saying they were going to move over to Microsoft to the 777 employees. They gave in, fired the entire board, and rehired Sam Altman. Wild story, definitely going to be a Netflix documentary in like the next two years um, if we make it that long after QSTAR. Uh, but this says, please put on your thinking cap and get yourself a soothing glass of wine. I wish I had one. The roots of the circumstance involving the recent organizational gyrations and notable business crises drama associated with the AI maker OpenAI, including the off and on again firing and rehiring of CEO Sam Altman, along with a plethora of related carry-ons, my focus will not particularly be on the cunning's or comings and goings of the parties involved. I insist, or I instead seek to leverage those reported facts primarily as telltale clues associated with the AI mystery that some believe sits at the core of the organizational earthquake. We shall start to, uh, we shall start with the vaunted goal of arriving at the topmost AI. The background of the AI mystery. Let's see how long this is. Holy shit, this is a long article. Wow, they did do some detective work. Oh man. Um, Wow. So go to Forbes yourself and read through some of this. Because, uh, yeah, it's it. this is an extremely thorough write-up on this. Um, the title of the article is the one they gave you earlier, which is, um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through all this tonight with you, but, or this morning, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, about that mysterious AI breakthrough. Look that up on Google with Forbes. And you'll, you'll find this article and you can go through the full thing, but I'll see if I can skim it effectively with you. Uh, it says the background of the AI mystery. So here's the deal. Some suggest that OpenAI has handed up or landed upon a new approach to AI that either has attained true AI, which is nowadays said to be artificial general intelligence, or that demonstrably resides on or at least shows the path towards AGI. As a fast backgrounder for you, today's AI is, is considered not yet a, the realm of being on par with human intelligence. The aspirational goal for much of the AI field is to arrive at something that fully exhibits human intelligence, which would broadly then be considered an AGI or possibly going even further into superintelligence. Nobody has yet been able to find out and report specifically out um, on what this mysterious AI breakthrough consists of. The situation could be like one of those circumstances where the actual occurrence is a far cry from the rumors that have been reverberated in the media. Maybe the reality is something of a modest AI advancement was discovered, but that doesn't deserve the hoopla that was ensued. Right now, the rumor mill is filled with tall tales that this is the real deal and supposedly will open the door to reaching a GI. Time will tell. Uh, on the matter of whether the AI has already achieved AGI per se, let's... Uh, Noodle on the postulation. 
Let's not, because I already kind of clued you into that. It's not AGI already, at least at least not what we have access to. Um, it, it has a hard enough time on some of the things. And that's probably from my use, and I use it basically daily in, in my uh, career uh, company. Um, it's It seems to me like it's almost gotten worse over the last few months or so. But anyways, uh, you see, this is the way that those ad ho hunches frequently go. You think that you've landed on the right trail, but you are actually once again back at the woods. Or you are on the correct trail, but at the top of the mountain is still miles upon miles in the distance, right? So basically it's just saying, we don't know what AGI could even look like, right? We, we have no idea whether what we're looking at is just a, a highly advanced, uh, you know, Texas Instruments calculator <laughs> that is just compiling all the information and spitting out uh, based on connections of data and quick reading of, of information, or whether it's actually having some sort of uh, development uh, thought processes that are outside of, um, you know, normal variables. So, so now that you know the overarching context of the AR mystery, let's see if we want to read any of this here. Potentially or inadvertently is getting this to the immediate doorstep of AGI. Hmm. So, so yeah, the idea is that it seems like it's pretty far away. Now that you know the overarching context of the AI mystery, we're ready to dive into the hints or clues so far that have been reported on the matter. Let's skip the caveats. Um, I'm going to draw upon these relatively unsubstantiated foremost three clues. Uh, the name of the AI has been said to be supposedly Q-star. The AI has supposedly been able to solve grade school level math problems quite well, and the AI has possibly leveraged an AI technique known as test time computations. Hmm. Interesting. Which would be interesting because ChatGPT, as we know it today, has far more capabilities than solving grade school level math problems, but it's not the idea that it's doing it in the way that a calculator would do it when it comes to AGI, right? It would be that it's thinking and, and learning those things on its own. Uh, you can find lots of rampant speculations out uh, online that uses only the first of those above clues, namely uh, the name, Q-Star. Some believe that the mystery can be unraveled on that one clue alone. They might not know about the other two above clues, or they might not believe that the other two clues are pertinent. The first clue is allegedly the name of the AI. So let's walk through these. It says it has been reported widely that the AI maker has allegedly opted to name the AI software as being referred to by the uh, notation of a capital letter Q that is followed by an asterisk. The name or notation is this, Q-star. Believe it or not, by this claim alone, you can get into a far-reaching abyss of speculation about what the AI is. I will gladly do so. I suppose it is somewhat akin to the words Rosebud in the famous classic Citizen Kane. I won't spoil the movie for you. I have to emphasize that the entire film is about trying to make sense of the seemingly innocuous word of Rosebud. If you have time to do so, I highly recommend watching the movie since it is considered one of the best time, uh, films of all time. There isn't any AI in it, so... Realize you would be watching the movie for its incredible plot, splendid acting. Okay. Um, back to our mystery at hand. What can we divine from the Q-Star name? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. But my iPad froze. So, again, give me one second. And this is like some horseshit because I have a very nice setup here. And uh, for some reason, just this last like week or two, I've never run into this issue. And it's, uh, you know... Just being finicky with me for some reason. 
Um, all right. So let's do this. Let's do that. So, so yeah. So to me, it's like, this seems like the most likely reason that OpenAI went through everything that it did. It, it seems by far from the clues that I read, and I basically called it out just from the letter, right? You, you, you go back and listen to that episode. That's what I said is, why would they say that it would be aligned? Well, it would only be aligned if they believed that the way that Sam Altman was being non-candid to them would lead to unaligned AGI, Right, which which means essentially they're concerned about the direction the company is going because you have to understand too that the board of OpenAI is not a for-profit board. Um, there, I, I believe that all of the board members like essentially don't have any stake in the game financially when it comes to OpenAI, and they're literally just there to like oversee the operations to make sure that it's aligned with its mission. Um, so this says, what can we divine from the Q star name? Those of you that are fairly familiar with everyday mathematical equations are likely to realize the asterisk is typically said to represent a so-called star symbol. Thus, the seemingly Q asterisk name would be conventionally be pronounced aloud as Q star. Okay, who cares? Um, overall, the use of the specification of the letter Q innately coupled with the star present, uh, representation does not notably denote anything already popularized. Um, I'm saying that the Q star doesn't jump out as meaning this in particular. So let's see what it, it does say for us. It says the capital letter Q does have significance in the AI field. Furthermore, the use of an asterisk as a star does have significance in the mathematics and computer science arena. Hmm. So then he's going to talk about those, which is that one of the most historically well-known uses of the asterisk is potentially similar to the context was used in the mathematician Stephen Kleen when he defined something known as V star. You might cleverly observe that this notation consists of the capital letter V is followed by an asterisk. Wow, thank you so much. In his letter in the 1950s, he, he described that uh, suppose you had a set of items that were named by the letter of V, and then you decided to make a different set that consists of various combinations associated with it that are in the set, in the set V. This now uh, new set will, by definition, contain all the elements of set V, so basically saying that there's subsets of that V variation, right? That all house within V, but with V star, it's saying that it could be V A, V A B, V A B A A A B, V A. So it's just saying that it could uh, an unlimited amount of combinations within the subset of the primary V. So you are said to be maximizing the letter to the nth degree, right? Um, okay, makes sense. The use of the asterisks or stars in the case of a capital A. You're going to love the next bit of detective work. I brought you up to speed about the... Okay, come on, dude. Get to the point. As an aside, the, pa the classic paper was formulated a star and is entitled A Formal Basis for Heuristic Determination of Minimum Cost Paths. Okay. Imagine a set of cities with roads connecting certain parts of them. Suppose we desire a technique for discovering a sequence of cities on the shortest route from a specific star to a specific goal city. Our algorithm prescribed... Uh, prescribes how to use special knowledge the knowledge that the shortest route between any pair of cities cannot be less than the airline distance between them 
in order to reduce the total number of cities that need to be considered. So I'll give you the TLDR of some of this. And when it's talking about Q star, what it's referencing is that the, the letter Q within AI or encoding is traditionally discussing the idea of reinforced learning, right? Reinforced learning being that, um, and, and traditionally when you're doing something like AI, it's reinforced learning through human feedback or RLHF. And what that means is essentially you're giving it feedback every single time it gives an output. You're giving a, a, a thumbs up or a thumbs down, right? When you answer this, it's good. When you answer this, it's bad. And now it takes that information and it learns off of it and it enforces better outputs, right? Just as if uh, a dog is doing a trick um, and, and you want to teach it to roll over, when it starts to make the movement, you give it a treat. And then the next time it goes a little bit further, you give it a treat. And eventually it's doing it on command to the word that you say before you made it do the rollover um, through reinforced learning, right? Reinforced, just give it a treat. Um, now the star being, which we got into a little bit, but the star being the idea that it's the infinite possibility behind what is that initial framework, right? In this case, the infinite, right? If you use something, let's use the dog example. Again, you, you think of the word dog and you put an asterisk behind it in the world of coding. That would mean dog could now be dogmatic. It could be doggy. It could be doggy style. <laughs> All right, couldn't leave that one alone. Um, but the idea is that reinforced learning and the star being the exponential possibility behind that. And so what the idea is that the asterisks might suggest is what this says, that this is the highest or most far out capability of Q learning, reinforced learning, that anybody has ever seen or envisioned. This would simply imply that the use of reinforcement learning as an AI approach and that the model free and off policy can leap tall buildings and go faster than a speeding train, metaphorically, to be able to push AI closer to being AGI. If you place this into the context of general generative AI, such as ChatGPT or OpenAI or GPT-4 of OpenAI, perhaps those generative AI apps could be much more fluent and seem to convey reasoning if they had this Q star included in them or GPT-5, essentially, right? Um, and that could give a huge edge over the competition, is what it says. It says, take a moment to deliberate on the razor-sharp question. Should AI companies be required to disclose their AI breakthroughs? If they do so, would this inadvertently allow evildoers to use those breakthroughs for evil purposes? Is it fair for a company that spent, that spent its resources to devise AI breakthrough that cannot profit from it? and must just hand it over to the public at large, who should own and control AI breakthroughs to, that get us to the realm of AGI, and do we need newer additional AI-related laws that will serve to regulate and govern what is happening in AI? Um, now, in that theme, I'm on the boat that there should be some framework of, of uh, oversight and governing bodies by individuals who actually know what they're talking about, because this is a highly scary, terrifying industry. Um, if it goes to the nth degree, right? If AGI occurs and it's not aligned with humanity and it identifies humanity as a threat to, I don't know, the world or, uh, you know, doesn't weigh our lives over that of the animals that we slaughter on a daily basis. Um, lots of reasons that it could think that we're bad because, you know, some of us are, uh, very interesting questions, but I do think that there should be some, you know, we could dive deep into that, but I absolutely believe that. Um, it says, uh, now this talks about the solving of grade school level math. Um, don't want to get too far into that. That one's interesting to me because it just doesn't make sense why that would be a, such a huge deal. Uh, but I guess 
um, no direct calculations or formulas were involved. You might suggest that this is a monkey see, monkey do kind of answer by the generative AI. The similarity between the two math problems greatly overlapped in terms of its wording. Just to add the wording. Hmm. Well, this guy uses the word noodle a lot. Let's see if he gives a overview because I don't want to take up too, too much of your time here. And let's see. So it says, Whenever they say this, the database converse will decry things that will go backwards in older and disdained ways of rules. Okay. Anyways, there's the idea. The Q star situation is one that could mean that Sam Altman was hiding this from the board. Sam Altman was putting the, the, the humanity into jeopardy and all these 770 or 57 employees could now have been the reason that the Terminator happens and Arnold Schwarzenegger comes here from the future and we all potentially die. Or maybe not. And they were just dicks and didn't know what they were doing and let down all their <laughs> investors. Um, but I guess we'll never know. But that's what I got for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it from the bottom of your heart. If you want to go read that article, I gave you the, the name of it earlier. It's from Forbes. Um, really interesting read. I'll, I'll read the whole thing at some point, but just don't want to. It's, it's a very long article, so you're better off reading it on your own time than sitting here and me talk about it. But an interesting thing nonetheless. I absolutely am, am very as confident as I could be that I believe that that's what happened is that Sam Altman was not being forthcoming. Now, what I think is an interesting theory about this um, that I noted uh, is that Sam Altman was on Joe Rogan and on Lex Friedman, not two weeks before this huge publicity happened. And what are the odds of that? A question to ponder. Uh, probably not very high. So, do with that information what you will. But I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening from the bottom of my heart. You are awesome. I hope you have a wonderful day and see you next time. Thank you. Adam's Archive.